is Teddy Maybank and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. And welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is J-Mac, your host tonight, as I record from my private cinema after having watched the Italian job with a Valpolicella 2002 Reserva to my left and a sloppy Giuseppe pizza to my right. A film fitting to describe our season if our win this Saturday is a sign of things to come. I'll be discussing our three points against Southampton with John and Mark as we blow the bloody doors off of that performance and share our thoughts. But first, thanks to former Whites forward Teddy Maybank for introducing this episode. Teddy joined us from Chelsea on a permanent deal in March 1977 after a successful loan spell. He was a popular figure for us and had a great striking partnership with John Mitchell. His sizzling form caused a sale to Brighton only six months after we bought him. The profit we made for Teddy is what bought us the Eric Miller stand, today known as the Riverside. And he's been quoted as jokingly suggesting the stand should have said, Ted paid for this above it. Teddy was a huge asset to our club and we couldn't salute him more. Cheers. Mark and John are with me. Let's go. Oh, when the Saints gave us three points. Oh, when the Saints gave us three points. Right, you saw it, we saw it. Oh, when the Saints gave us three points. Pirates indeed. We gave us we gave a lot more shits in this game, I have to say. A lot more fight, a lot more tight, and some very easy on the eye counter-attacking. But let's start with the lineup. Mark, how are you, mate? And what were your thoughts when you first saw this lineup? Oh, I'm very good, Jay Matt. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I was interested with the lineup straight away. Um, obviously, there was only one real change, uh, and that was due to injury with uh, Anguissa dropping out. Um, I, I thought, you know, uh, he, he's called the Tinker Man, but then he was kind of known at Leicester for for not tinkering around too much once he found his formula. So I didn't expect wholesale changes, but at the same time, I didn't expect it to just be one substitute that he was kind of forced into making. So. Maybe it buys into his whole uh, togetherness idea that we've been going for uh, ever since Jukanovic left, um, that he's just trying to keep the team cohesive. So maybe I, w- I wasn't too surprised that there weren't many changes, but I thought there would have been one or two more, especially Vieto not being in the squad. That was a massive one for me. Yeah, I was a bit confused about no Vieto being on there. And I've, I've got a slight theory that potentially that is a... They're just keeping him very, very fresh in case Mitrovic gets that, that yellow card. But let's see. Uh, John, mate, how are you? And what did you think of the lineup when you saw it, mate? I'm all good, mate. All good. Um, it, was, it was a real difficult one to, um, to prejudge, to be honest. I had no idea what on earth he was going to do. I thought kind of trying to get our players into his favoured 4-4-2 um, system was slightly square, square pegs into round holes. But... Um, yeah, it, not many changes, which I think was good. We, we have had so little consistency with with the squad this year that, you know, that is a clear way of getting togetherness with the team, you know, having people you know next to you. Um, to be honest, even with the even with the starting eleven, I still couldn't tell you how they were going to line up. So, um, you know, until, until watching, it was all a bit of guesswork. But, yeah, I don't think anyone after the Liverpool performance really um, deserved to be to be dropped really we, we put in a good a good shift then and things started to look like they were slightly improving from performances before that so yeah all in all um it was good and it you know it ended up well yeah not half I mean like, it was quite tense towards the end it almost felt like a bit towards towards the end it almost felt like the Wembley game all over again so right let's t- let's quickly talk about the formation because I thought it was four two three one guys and then 
about five minutes in while I was eating some caviar watching it, I just looked up and I stood up from the sofa and went, wait a goddamn minute, that's a 4-4-2 with Kearney up top with Mitro. I mean, and, and oddly enough, it, it sort of worked. What did you make of that, Mark? I mean, because Kearney was quite effective in that role, don't you think? Yeah, so we didn't realise as well, I think the same as you, just 10, 15 minutes in and you kind of see us, especially without the ball, uh, Kearney was really hassling people up the field. It was almost as if Ranieri had said to him, like, look, don't worry about the defensive side of things from the midfield point of view. Just kind of work up top with Missile, maybe with Missile, with Mitrovic, sorry. Maybe, maybe do a bit of his running as well. You know, I think one of the big things we were worried about was would Mitrovic be forced to kind of defend from the front, which is something mm. that we all know he doesn't want to do. Um, so I think maybe Kearney was put there just to just to help him out a little bit. I think Sess and Scherler were so important to stay wide as well. I think that would really help with our formation. So it, it was a massive surprise. But, you know, I thought he did play well there. I, I don't think he would looked out of position. He had an incredible second half. But even in the first half, out of position, I thought he, he impacted the game well. He made some good passes. And he did kind of hurry down the, the Southampton players as well. I thought Yoshida had a, had quite a poor game uh, battling against Mitro and Kearney in general. I know everyone was talking about Wesley Hudged or however you pronounce his name. Yeah, I thought they both had a they, quite a poor game and, and Kenny was to help for that. Yeah, absolutely. John, what did you think, mate, of the, uh, of the 4-4-2? And I mean, it made some of our players look really good. I mean, did, did you, what did you generally think of? What, what did we do differently that you liked as opposed to the last few weeks of hell? Um, I think it was... I think the, the the main difference was really our intensity and our, our desire and, and organisation. Three things which really um weren't weren't coming to the fore with Yukanovic. Um and I think with the Cess sorry, with um with Kenny and Seri kind of kind of playing the same role or a similar style of player, um I couldn't see how they could both fit in the team as um as Claudio usually plays it. But but he managed to get them in there and, and it did work. I mean um for me, I just I like I like the press. It felt like we were organised. I think under under Slavisa, I kind of said look, we almost need to learn how to defend for ninety minutes if we need to, and then and then when we've got the ball, that's a different side of the game. And it felt like everyone was buying into it, and it just looked so much more organised. I think as, as um, Mark mentioned, you know, the, the, the wide players came into it, and with this counter attacking football, you need players who can kind of find the runners and and make turn to, um, defence into attack quickly and. Seri and Kearney can both pick those balls out. So if we can persevere with keeping them both in the team, I think it's it's definitely a, a strong thing going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say, Mark, that the opening 30 minutes, we were a bit shaky? We certainly didn't look as sharp as we were, as you said, as the magnificent second half that Tom Kearney and ourselves as a team had. Yeah, no, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It, it was a bit of a, a kind of wait for us to kind of jump into life, I thought. Um, going 1-0 down, obviously, and... I obviously they were on top for that first period, but I thought it was it was tough on us. I thought it was quite unfair that we'd gone one nil down because I thought we hadn't given ourselves much of a, a foot in the game. But I didn't think Southampton really had either. I don't think they deserved it as much. So I was I was kind of best pleased with with what happened after that, and it was almost as if you know one chance spurned that could have gone to two nil for Southampton with that great save from Rico, and then all mm. of a sudden. You know, we get the goal to go uh, equalise and then, you know, five, ten minutes later, we're just on top the whole time and, and get that second goal. So I think after that kind of first 30 minute period where we were kind of in and out of the game at periods, I think we needed that almost. We needed that kick up the backside to go one nil behind and, and show that this team has actually got a bit of character that we've been kind of sorely missing for, for most of this season. 
Yeah, absolutely. And John, on to you with this, mate. Did you notice, what What, what did you think of Seri's performance in this game? Do you think he's sort of, he had a lot more fighting him, as you mentioned, and he actually, he fitted that sort of defensive midfielder role quite well. He did. I mean, I think a 4-4-2 does, does require a certain skill, skill set in the midfield. You know, you need, you can't have one defensive midfielder and one attacking midfielder per se because they both need to be able to do a bit of everything. For me, just it was the effort. And and recently, I kind of found even if he kind of went towards a player, he'd kind of stand off him and it just seemed a little bit lacklustre and half-hearted. And and there was a lot more intent in this game. And I mean, there was a there was a chance where he nicked the ball off a player on on the edge of their box, which the referee wrongly gave a free kick for. But like that kind of design intent, that wasn't the only example. But you know. In a two-man midfield, you, you 100% need that. And um, I wonder as well, actually, if um, the manager said to him, listen, you know, give me everything for 60, 70 minutes. Um, I, I need that for you, anything less than you won't be darting. And do that. And then we can get someone to come in for the last half an hour, 20 minutes. Because, you know, he's not, he's probably taking more steps to cover the ground than, than most players. So... If, if that's how we need to go forward, and that, 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 that's what needs to be done. Because there, there is a quality player in there. Yeah, definitely. And let's talk about the person next to him. Mark, what were your feelings on Chambers? There are a lot of calls that he was some people's man of the match in this game. I mean, we've really found a position for him, even though his passing is a bit wayward. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned his passing there because that's kind of the biggest worry for me. I think defensively, he's been fantastic. You know, he, he's a brave player as well. He, he runs in, makes tackles, makes blocks. You know, he's another big player to have in that hole that is uh, kind of uh, very good in the box and he's kind of used to defending that area as well so from set pieces free kicks and just from dropping back he's he's just useful to have in there uh, definitely in more useful than you know maybe Johansson can be at times whereas Johansson like well we know he likes to tackle obviously but he still doesn't kind of have that defensive capability or that defensive mindset around him that you know maybe Callum Chambers does I, I think it's crazy to have even consider putting him in this role although what I could see happening is him making it, it his own and Ranieri kind of being hailed for it but obviously it was Jukanovic that made that decision in, in the Liverpool game and I thought he played fantastically there as well so I guess it, we're gonna have to see how it goes but all the while he's continuing to do the dirty side of the game the best and the defensive side of things really well and Seri and Kearney can get on with you know more of the fluid passing and cover him on that front I think it could work really well as a as a three-man kind of triangle in midfield there. Yeah, perfect. Me too. And so, John, I'll go to you with this one. Mitro is back on fire, right? And he's got two goals. He had two goals back in the Nations League and he's obviously passed that form on. And he almost scored a third with that beautiful left to right foot finish. I mean, that was, I really wanted that to go in and Cesc to finish it off. So what's going on here? Do you, I mean, I think Ranieri is obviously giving him all the praise he can in press, media, media interviews and things like this. But we're obviously getting the ball quicker to him, though. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to just quickly touch on, on Chambers, if that's okay, and I'll come on oh, to please, it. Yeah. I, I, I was really impressed with him defensively. Like His work rate was incredible. His his energy, his desire, he, he got to people, he closed them down. And also, as soon his awareness was what really impressed me. As soon as you know the ball went went somewhere, he, he just knew how to get back, how to cover, what, what place to be in. And that's that's really important. My, my only concern, before I get on to Mitchell, is I think... If you look at the three players we've got who can play that position, I think you know he he deserves to start the next game. He's not done anything wrong, but when we weren't playing a, a quality side against Southampton, I mean in Southampton, um, my only concern is for me you've got he's got defensive awareness and energy and not the passing range. You've got 
K-Mac, who's got the defensive awareness and probably better at passing, but not the energy and the pace. And then Nguisa, who's got the energy and probably better passing, but not the defensive awareness. So we've, we're kind of all three players are missing one of the things I think they need in a, in a two-man midfield. So against better teams, I, I'm slightly worried and, and I would be interested in your guys' opinions on that. Um, coming on to Mitro, I mean, it's just it's just so great to see him score, isn't it? He's um, a bit of a talisman for us and he does so much all over the pitch, defensively and, and offensively, like in both boxes. I think it's ironic that we've had we've had less of the ball and but, but we've involved him more. You know, he looked a lot less isolated and he's, he's had more chances and scored scored goals, which he's been he's been quiet of late. So um, he was saying like he. In Newcastle, I mean, we're almost playing quite like Newcastle, and he was saying it wasn't really a system for him. But with, mm. with it, within no time, and I think only two or three days with Mitchell in the squad, you know, Claudio's found a way of getting him involved, getting chances to him. And I think that he could really work well in a Claudio system because getting the ball forward quickly is is one thing. But he he's got the ability to hold it up on his own, and that can that can just give everyone, you know, Sess and Sherlock can just fly up the pitch and 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 get close to him as quick as possible. So. Um, he he could he can definitely work in a counter counter attacking team and, and you know we just need we need to keep feeding him he, he wasn't getting the service that that he needed before so if if we if we can see this after such a short time then hopefully it it just goes from strength to strength really yeah absolutely and I've I've got to talk about Sessegnon I mean he two assists in this game and he was starting to look a bit like the Sessegnon of old uh, Mark before you make a point about Sessegnon what your feelings are Mark with Mitro I mean. What's changed here, do you think? It's quite interesting to see him also have quite a lot of pace on him, but also be able to score a brace in a counter-attacking side. Yeah, well, it, it's definitely confidence. I think we, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, you know. Um, strikers are a different breed to every other footballer and, and confidence is something they thrive on. So for Mitro not to have a goal in, you know, five games almost, maybe even six, I'm not sure how many it is now. I think the Watford game was the last time he scored for us. So for him to go out and get not just one, but two goals, I think it just shows that you know you make your own confidence in the, in this kind of league as well. We, we've gone out there and we've finally you know put in a dogged performance, and that's just going to pay dividends for him. Um, I'm obviously I'm so happy like like John said that he's got a goal because he's is very talismatic. And in our recent history, you can I can only really think of McCormack and probably Berbatov as our last two players we've had that we kind of love as our own and, and and kind of want them to succeed as the main man so it is kind of a rare feeling to have you know such a important striker for us in our team and one that really we look to to carry us through game I'm just happy for him to just keep on doing what he's doing really and getting that service like John said is so important and luckily we're now kind of pushing it through to him which is exactly what he needs exactly John what are your thoughts on Session your mate in this game he was like the Session of old don't you think yeah, I think he he was very impressive. I mean, his his first assist was absolutely out of this world, and as you say, a kind of the sess of old. I I think to be honest, he's been one of the shining lights this season. In the first couple of games where we were actually performing well, I, I thought he looked a little bit off the mark. But since then, he's kind of been one of the only players who you can see really giving it everything every game. And and as been alluded to by certain kind of um, training ground interviews, the kind of the team weren't together, weren't putting enough effort in. I don't think anyone could question for one second that he wasn't. And he, as he did from his rise to stardom from 16, he's just getting better and better at quite an alarming rate. I mean, to look good like that in the Premier League, you know, is a lot harder than looking good like that in the Championship. Yeah, nice one. Absolutely, it does. And so 
Mark, mate, uh, let's talk about Sherlock. Talk to me about Sherlock. Because there are days sometimes I want to kill him and there are other times I want to kiss him. I mean, he was very piratey. He had a lovely little battle with uh, Wesley Hood to help lead to our third goal. And he was much better. But still, when he runs, he looks a bit flappy and a bit strange. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what are your thoughts on Sherlock in this game? I think you're bang on there. Sometimes I love him. Sometimes I hate him. He's so unpredictable <laughs> when he's on the pitch. I think when he's good, he's great. He's got that kind of tactical know-how. He, uh, he knows exactly what he's doing when he gets the ball. Sometimes I think brain just doesn't go to feet as quickly as uh, as it should do. And and you know you'll see him kind of either play a wrong a wayward pass or he'll shoot when he doesn't need to. Um, but ultimately, I think he plays an important role in that team. And I don't really think we could play anyone else in that kind of position. I think Vieto as much as I like him as a player on the ball, I don't think he suits a wide position too well. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him get, get, you know, a, a run of games, maybe partnering Mitro or in a different formation where we can get the best out of him. But I think Shirley just does that role so well. Uh, and also he, he is of a, of that kind of pedigree that a lot of our team don't have, you know what I mean? Like, you look at even Mitrovic, obviously, he's, he's still young. Sessegnon in that forward line, obviously, he's still ridiculously young. Uh, and then even behind him, we there, we don't have that many players who are as experienced as Scherler. So I think he plays a really important role in our team. And I think if we take him out of it, um, just even in, you know, communicating on the pitch and, and, and understanding the game, I think Scherler reads it so well. So I, I don't want to see him lose his position. And I don't think he will based on his last few performances because he, he does, he always gets the crowd on their feet. If If he's doing well, he'll do very well for you. So. Yeah, and speaking of losing positions, John, let's go to you about, personally, my man of the match. Sergio Rico. I mean, it's compl- it goes without question now that this is our, this guy is our number one, right? Yes, I agree. I mean, um, he just seems like a really classy individual, to be honest. I mean, he, mm. I think um, you had um, Fabry kind of whinging after not very long, wanting to go back and, and all this. Um, and Rico just seems to ooze class, to be honest, o- off the pitch and on it. He, he's made some brilliant saves. It seems like a really calm individual. You know, there's screaming and shouting at um, defenders is one thing. And his performances, I mean, arguably he could have been man of the match last game. He, he was against Liverpool. I mean, um, he's going to have to have a, a string of bad games, I'd have thought, to, um, to to get kicked out. And, and I actually think that now that we're playing the ball long, I mean, we had problems with multiple keepers because playing out from the back and passing to people and receiving the ball under pressure, you know, they looked a bit flappy. And um, I think just him now being able to concentrate on what he's best at you know, um, stopping shots is probably made his life easier. And realistically, we're not going to win the league. We're not one of these one of the better teams. So you want the players to do what they're best at and not try and ask too much of them. And I, I think um, we might see him going from strength to strength. And I, I don't know if there's an option to buy or anything like that. But um, yeah. you know, he would be a, a shrewd investment, to be honest. Yeah, and you never know, mate. We won't. We. I think it's all set up that we're going to win the league next season, personally. Um, now, substitution. Uh, Johansson for Seri at the 68th minute, and obviously Steffi Hansen got booked, and you had Kamara come on for Scherler in the 74th minute, and Ayite for Mitro in the 86th minute. I mean, Mark, any of those substitutions stand out to you that were interesting, and it was any difference to the sort of Slav bingo that we used to be accustomed to? I'm just so happy that we had, you know, all three substitutions at normal times and (laughs) it was it it just felt like such a luxury we would never have that um it is almost like the back to the good old days but uh i think the substitutions were were very good they're the substitutions you'd you say to people in the stands you say oh 
you know, I, I think we need to take off Seri soon or we need to protect Mitro. And it just makes it just seems like all the, all the sensible substitutions before it was with Slav. He'd just pick a random number on, that he'd saw and take them off and then kind of pick one of the defenders that he had on the bench and put them on in any position he could think of. So, yeah, I thought, I thought most of the substitutions made sense. Mitro got a nice standing ovation. Um, mm. I thought Scherler's substitution was smart. He, we know he hasn't got that much stamina on him and he does do a lot of running as well. And I thought Seri played, you know, like we said earlier, played very, very well for 70 or so minutes and it would kind of keep that midfield ticking over as well. So I thought Johansson was, again, a smart choice. And although he did get booked, if he's going to come on and shore up a, a slowing midfield uh, like that every single game, then I'm happy for him to get a yellow card every game. Yeah, nice one. And and uh, John, on to you. Just for, on the subs, really quickly. Uh, what did you make of Kamara coming on for Charlotte? Because I, when I saw that sub, I was like, right, this is your moment. Okay, I want to see what you can do within a sort of striking partnership with Mitro. What, how did he fare? Do you think? I don't think he did very well. I think. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think. I think. I think we've all. Well, I don't know. I know for, personally. I've always had high hopes from. I think there's. There's. He's got so many attributes that could be brilliant. Um, and it's just kind of converting that into into performances he, he's a he's a dangerous player to bring on on against the side with um with with tired legs to be honest and it, it made perfect sense as mark was alluding to sometimes our substitutions didn't and also you know we the lineup was was so clearly wrong that we were making subs at half time just to put things right so mm. to actually have three in the bag to play you know sensibly and not 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 having to drastically change things was was really good um my concern is that he he can't hold the ball up. He doesn't seem to judge a flighted ball into him at all well. So the ball's in the air and it's in the air for a long time and then it drops two yards behind him and he's kind of not taken a step back. And even if you're not going to win the header possibly, you know, if you back into the defender, you're at least making it harder for him. And I think just some kind of a mouse like that, he really does seem to be lacking. And, and um, like if he closes a player down in the corner... Like, that's all you have to do. You haven't got to tackle him. You just got to make you know make him put it out or make him play a back pass to the keeper or something like that. That that is his job. He looks quite intimidating. I think it's it's quite he's quite an easy player for the referee to give decisions against. So mm. I, I've by no means written him off, but I don't think he was up to it in the championship. And obviously now um, it, the stakes are even higher. But as an impact sub, he has absolutely everything. You know at times in his locker. So he just needs to put it together and realise that that is going to be his role and he's going to have 10, 15, 20 minutes to shine in each game and he just need to need to grab that opportunity with both hands. Excellent. And before we just move on to another positive thing, just really quickly, the, the, the slight negatives. Southampton's goals, I mean, were they pure wonder strikes to you, Mark, or do you think actually we could have tightened up a lot? I mean, I know Cesc was at fault for one of them, but could we have prevented that quite easily, the two goals they scored? Uh, I think given the quality of the second goal, um, mm. I think you can't put it it's down gone. too much to to Sessegnon's header. I think, you know, if you're going to strike a ball that cleanly, it's going to end up only one place, isn't it, in the back of the net? Uh, yeah. The first one you know, definitely could have been avoided. I thought it was... Uh, we, we kind of lost our heads a little bit uh, for that and it was kind of panic stations defending. So I think that first one definitely could have been avoided. I think if the defensive structure was a little bit, you know, with a better foundation, we would have avoided it. But the second goal, I, I don't have many complaints about. Um, I will yeah. just go back to AK quickly. I thought, I think, yeah, I thought it was interesting that, that he scored twice the amount as Sessegnon has this season. Um, but <laughs> that's, you know, don't, don't tell the truth. 
Well, that's it. That's, a, that's a, I guess that's why they call it Mark Hughes, because that's exactly what you said at the end of the game. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's just talk about the new manager bounce that we have now and how we keep it going. Now, I've got a sort of, sort of kind of silly analogy, but I mean, is there an argument that we've got a team that know how to pass really well, thanks to Slavica? We've almost got sort of like really nice, smooth, operatic, operatic sort of passing. But we're now in a sort of rock and roll, sort of counter-attacking, highly defensive, then counter-attacking squad. Is it possible that this sort of blend of operatic and rock and roll, this is our Bohemian Rhapsody, that we're actually possibly coming on to like a really good combination of two very important elements in the team? What do you think, Mark? I mean, is, is this actually, is it actually a good thing in a way that Slav left the passing within the team for us to now to go on to a Ranieri style? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so a little bit. I mean, they they do have fairly dissimilar styles in in a way with how they like to operate in game. But the fundamentals are always going to be very similar, aren't they? I, I think yeah. we do have the players at at disposal that can that can hurt teams, uh, and they just go about it in in completely different ways. So I, I think it, it for Ranieri especially, it's it's going to be a case of working with what you've got, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And John, what what do you think about this, mate? The new manager bounce, how, how do we keep it going? I'm hearing about certain things that Sassanior mentioned that Ranieri is bringing into the club behind the doors. What, 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 what do we do from here? How do we keep this lovely run going? Um, I mean, it's it's a short-lived run. I say, I say um, run, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's this bounce. <laughs> no, yeah, but... Um... It's it's hard to say. I mean, let's let's put things into context. We, we were at home against a struggling Southampton side. We didn't have all that much of the ball, mm. and I think arguably you could say probably the fairest result would have been a draw. And I'm sure Mark Hughes, um, Mark Hughes, would probably argue the other way as he tends to. But um, mm. I, I think we've, we've got a we've got a tough fixture next. Yeah, I think we're now looking at you know staying in games fighting for 90 minutes which seemed to not happen really this season very often and it might sound silly but you know playing against good teams means we're going to we're hopefully going to get better and better at defending and going to your point that you made to um to mark there i think the two styles could easily you know with a with a passing style and now the kind of more swift and defensive style, i think they can merge my, my worry is we don't throw the baby out of the bathwater and just go for this because there were there were times in the game where we had the ball and we'd go immediately long and the pass wasn't good. And I don't know necessarily if, you know, the ball was on at all. Um, mm. And there's nothing wrong with holding on to the ball if there's, if there's not much on to, to, to kind of um, create an opportunity. But just, just to give it back to them and kind of invite pressure on again. I mean, this is our first game post-Slav and we've got 37% possession against a poor, a, a, a not brilliant team. I mean, are we going to, is that going to keep dropping? You know, the more Ranieri yeah. has his influence. And, and I hope not because it for me, it would be crazy to um, to do that. And, and and with Mitro, you know, you've got a player that you can work off and move forward, move up the pitch. Um, slightly different to the the Vardy, you know, the Vardy system he had at Leicester. So, fingers crossed, we um we we, we get all Bohemian Rhapsody on it. Yeah, nice. And I, I'll tell you what, it's funny you mentioned the thirty-seven percent possession, the Ranieri style, and then we were talking about Mark Hughes. Now, I don't want to make this the slagging off Mark Hughes show. Too much but uh he he did say at the end you know he was like you know well i think if you looked at all the you know all the, all the i can't do the impression but like, you know but you know all, all the stats that he was talking about that southampton would do us do fulham on that you know 
it it goes it makes a very strong point that what Ranieri said in the media is already coming to light with how we can play badly but win. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Mark? It, I mean, he's already made a very swift impression with what he predicted Ranieri in his uh, first uh, press conference. Now, yeah, definitely, and I think what is kind of you know important here is people get lost, people get so so deep into stats that they'll read an entire game based on them. Um, and what's wrong to my mind uh, after hearing all those Mark Hughes quotes was when Celtic beat Barcelona and Barcelona had something like 86% possession and about 30 shots and Celtic right, only had yeah. one on target and won one nil. Stats can be so misleading and, and I think especially for us, we can't really be buying into it too much and be worried about things like possession because, you know, we created our chances and we scored them um, and, and our shots won even that, you know, um, dissimilar in, in that sense. It is literally only the possession that he could really cling to in that. Uh, I think it was just a manager trying to deflect away from the fact that his team aren't doing well, um, as as harsh as that is. And I think Mark Hughes knows he's a marked man. He hasn't got long before uh, before the uh, the axe of fate comes down on him, I'm afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And point I was going to talk about, I completely forgot, we were going to talk about actually uh, Mitro and but we 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 covered Mitro quite a lot. But I mean, he's gonna. How many goals do you guys think he's going to score? If you could predict now this season, what would you? I'd, I'd like him to do what Berbatov did and get around fifteen, sixteen. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I think so too. What about you, John? Um, I, I could go as high. I mean, if we could get twenty. I mean, have we ever had a player score twenty? Um, so I'll get twenty. I, I mean, I think the attack is so focused around him that um. There's no reason why, you know, that, that if he gets 20, I think we're, we stay up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just keeping, it's just keeping the guy fit, really. I mean, we are, we are, I, I wanted to mention this, and, you know, it's funny, you write notes and you don't get to half of them. Um, but if he's injured, we are complete. Well, that's um, why, yeah, it's really important that we keep him fit at least until January, because I think Ranieri knows that we're f- if he's injured. So yeah. I think that'll be. I, I wonder as well, like Ranieri might be saying, oh, we need someone to partner Mitro. Because he doesn't want Mitro, you know, he wants to keep Mitro sweet. But I wonder if in the back of his head he's thinking, well, if he gets injured, if he loses form, do you know what I mean? You don't want to say, oh, I want to, I don't, I want someone to compete against Mitro. You want to say someone to play with him. But then actually, you know, it might have a double meaning there because we just, I mean, who, yeah, you're looking at AK, Vieto, mm. and Cess are the only three options I can see, and all Johansson, of course. Um, so that isn't going to score many goals, I don't think. Maybe not, but I've got this feeling if Mitro does get injured, I think Vieto could suddenly just suddenly come to life a little bit. I don't know why. I have no reason or rhyme to that way around. But you know, I have no, I have no reason for thinking that. But I just think he's just seems like a bad finisher. I mean, he's he's made a lot of assists, but he's Mm. not. Maybe he's he's not scored yet, and he's you know snatching at things a bit. But he's um, but he's never played in a position that he's good at. No, I don't know, but he's had some. He's had some good chances, and he's he's snatched it all of them. But you know, as a, you know, sometimes that first one goes in, and, the, and it, it can happen. I just wonder if we're looking for someone like a pacey player to play up. I mean, okay, let's just say we get another striker in. Then then we've got the problem in the midfield. So you've got Surrey, Kearney, and a defensive-minded one. Well, so Surrey or Kearney are basically missing out. Um, mm. Oh, sorry, carry on. No, no, I, I saw rumours of uh, I can't remember his first name. But Solanke, that we might take online from Liverpool, who's incredible, has so much speed on him apparently, and it's a big. Is he quick? He, he scored. A, I think he scored a hat trick against us at Stamford Bridge in that Under 16s final. 
I yeah. mean, he looked amazing then. But is he that rapid? I know he looked incredible then, but he's not. He's not done anything. I much. remember read. Yeah, I remember reading some information on him online, and I remember someone just saying he has like he's really fast, like faster than you'd expect him to be due to his height and actually the fact that he's a bit of a poacher and target man. But I maybe maybe I'm not sure. But I mean, I think now. That was the target. That was a rumor target when Slav was still involved. So now, God knows what's saying. I, I just hope that I hope the rumors aren't true that we're going to go for like Oka, Okazaki and all these sort of thirty-four-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. But we'll I see. think um, I think what's interesting as well is the uh, what I don't like. I said it on the old group chat. I just think Ranier is growing on me really rapidly, to be honest. But mm. it just seemed like you could have got a player, a manager who kind of had a similar style to. To, to Slavacy, you know what I mean? Like getting someone so different who wants to play a different system. We've bought spent a hundred million on players to fit this system. You know, yeah. and we've got loan players to fit this system, and then you're going to play a four four two when we haven't got any strength in the midfield. It seems baffling, really. Um, mm. And hopefully it comes good, but it's just like rip it, rip it up, and start again, which I did. Yeah. I don't think was necessary. No, I think I, I completely agree. I was really nice. I noticed the, the enthusiasm from all the new coaching stuff when we scored. Obviously, they're going to that we just scored. I'm not expecting them just to sit down and roll their eyes or anything. But but they, they, it was it was really nice to see all these sort of it's like new Italian guys just looking really passionate when we scored that equal. Like, yeah. it, I don't know. It was, it was a nice were, feeling were, to see. Yeah, I I, I agree. It was yeah. It was something I, quite. I, I really like Ranieri. To be fair, I think he was quite emotive. As soon as, yeah, on the touchline, as soon as they scored their first goal, Saints, like he was just like, he just stood still and just went clapped and said, nope, come on. Like, you know, it felt very much like you're proud, you're proud granddad or something, just saying, like, it's, this isn't <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Is yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I've got some nice feelings. I just, I really hope that it's, he's, he's very, he's, he's very much of a Roy Hodgson, really. I mean, very much style and everything. We, we played a 4 4 2 then, and, and, um, yeah, I think, as I say, I just, I can't understand this sustainability model. And then to throw everything out and start again doesn't seem at all sustainable. Although he's not done that, but I fear that might be. But you know, I'm I'm coming. I mean, one win, and I'm you know I'm I'm coming around real quick. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it goes hand in hand with what Reese was always saying with that f-ing article that got such bad publicity. But you know, it's it's. Well, I think we found a manager that suits the size of our club without being disrespectful. But I mean. A counter-attacking, defensively solid. I'd love it if we could play the way Slav wanted to in the Premier League, but you can't be unless you're, you know, you're, you've got, a, you know, Man City's like numbers and and yeah, and and there's something nice. Of, like at the end of the day, like obviously everyone wants to see nice flowing football. There is genuinely something nice about grinding out a result, and it, when it when it happens against like a big team, it it just feels so good. Like, yeah, I it miss does. those kind of. Oh, like games against Man United where we'd nick a result and like when sometimes we'd beat Liverpool and like th- that just hasn't happened. Obviously we haven't been in the Prem, but even mm. like for the three years before we got relegated, it just hasn't happened in so long. I'd love for us to get back to that kind of like when when the cottage could be like any team could turn up and you could kind of have something in the back of your head that would be like we could get a result here today. Yeah, I remember thinking <laughs> the the goal we scored the second it was the either the equaliser or the second one. Where the amount of passes we did, pinging them back, it was like it was like pinball or something, and it was. I mean, like you know, this is a counter attack and it's defensive, but it looks so good. It, like, <coughs> I mean, the, the way that the lead up to that goal was just as enjoyable as watching a good Slav goal, in my opinion. So it's, oh, it's. I think I think I think that's really that's really valid. I think Slav was was way too far into the possessions. I, I love the guy. I think he will be a top manager, but it was kind of you know you. 
you need to strike while the arm's hot. And when a team's transitioning from attacking you to defending, that's when they're most vulnerable, which is what Ranieri's trying to trying to go for. I mean, counter-attack doesn't mean lump it all the way over the top for one bloke to take two touches and score. It can mean just in the transition, you just as you say, a bit of pinball. They don't know where to go, whether to stick or twist, and then you then you play a ball through. I hope we do I hope that's what because we've got the players who can do that. I hope that's more, you know, if Surrey finds Kearney, Kerry finds Surrey, Surrey finds Seth, you know, but we we can do that. I hope we do more of that than than you know, just kind of lump it. But we, we didn't utilise Slav as a hold-up player enough under under Theresa. Yeah. So I think like the, there is a middle ground there. Um, I yeah. I just I hate all these West Ham fans saying, "Oh, the West Ham way," when there really isn't one. And look, to say that yeah. what Slavita did was the Fulham way is just so untrue. It's the first time I, I can think of that since Tigar. It's not the Fulham way. Um, the Fulham way's not really ever been like that. Um. Apart from maybe like the kind of um, Harlem Globetrotters when you had Rodney Martin and all that way before um, and uh, Bestie and all that. But um, I don't know. I just felt like we... Just the way we went about as a club felt so good. You know, it was like we're playing yeah. the beautiful game the right way. And it, I, I was completely sold on the philosophy and how, you know, what we were doing and kind of see it taken away and completely changed overnight. Felt, yeah. to, you know, it was a hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah, I know, I know. and But I think all these teams in the championship, they've adapted to this now. Like, you know, Bielsa's doing it and, you know, the, uh, the, Aston, uh, the Aston Villa manager from Brentford, he's doing it. They're all playing lovely football and it's it's obviously all becoming a very popular trend now in the championship. But, I mean, they're going to suffer just as much as we did if they come up from it. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Well, it depends, you know, if all the bottom teams are doing it, then, then it, it would make for interesting. But, I mean, like the, the points difference in the bottom half of the Premier League is, is nothing. I mean... Um, they were saying 26 points could keep you up. I think we need, we need to. I don't know if we're going to get to 40, but if you, you, we still need to aim for for that kind of number. But yeah, um, it's, and I think Ranieri bottom, will be as well. I think yeah, I think he said that. I think he said that. Yeah, which is good. He's not even because I remember M M M G, whatever his name is, Mike Gray. He was just. Uh, not Mike Greg, the guy, the guy who was on the Fulham support. Yeah, MJ, was, MJG, yeah. MJG, he was just saying how, you know, 30, I think doing his stats, he was saying it's going to be 32 or something to stay up this season. But even though that is technically, that that could be a technicality, we should actually go beyond and just be safe as hell. Um, well, it's like the, what Watford bloody do enough and then stop playing. You know, we've, we're going to, we're going to struggle to do enough, even if we play, but you know, you, yeah. you need to keep, keep pushing. Um, yeah. It's funny now though that no manager stays at a club. It's like, oh, but he only usually spends two or three years at a club. Well, name me a manager that doesn't. That's quite successful, isn't it? Two or three years. Yeah, I think I think Slav stayed with us for a really long time. I was actually... And what's nice about Slav is because he, he used to not stay with clubs for very long. Um, he, he had a really nice spell with us and I think he actually... Yeah, I think he had. A, I think he had the best amount of time that he could with us, to be honest. Like, he always looked miserable, like, but hopefully he wasn't quite that miserable. Yeah. Uh, don't out worry, of interest, mate. what do you guys think about the, the chambers. Like, I mean, I think in January that's a position that we'll be looking to strengthen if none of our three kind of defensive-minded midfielders are, are, are going to are going to make it. Um, or do you think yeah. Chambers is fine for the rest of the season? Or I mean, you would possibly like to think that I think, Anguissa can step yeah, up and become better and better and better. I don't know what. I think Ranieri is, must has has to think long term as well because Chambers is obviously only with us until the end of the season. So, yeah. however well he could be doing there, I think he'd obviously like to bring in someone that he can work with, and he'll kind of scout himself or his team will. So, I think I reckon we could bring someone in. I don't know. I like you said that. I want to see Anguissa do well because we spent so much money on him. I, I'd hate it if he became like a Mitroglou and just completely flopped. Yeah, me I too, think it was um, funny. 
You were just talking about not reading too much into stats, and I felt like I'm, I'm muting and mentioning Tony Khan there for a bit. But um, yeah, <laughs> we just buy every player because of them. But other than that, it doesn't matter if we lose them on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, guys, I can hear the quiz knocking at the door. But before we move on to that, John, can I get your Ranieri rating? We're going to try and figure a pun soon for this rating, but we can't think of one just yet. So your your manager rating for him, mate. Um, obviously off to a great start. Three points out of three. Uh, mm. Keeping things relatively simple. Get everyone play. I'm going to give him an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Very nice. And for you, Mark, sir? Uh, in, in anticipation that it can get a lot better, uh, I'm going to give him a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Okay, cool. All right. I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a seven and a half. That way it's all sort of balanced. Nice. All right, guys, that's really good. Nice little analysis there. All right, and after this, it's time for the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Now it's time for the quiz. Uh, so these guys, my lovely co-hosts, can get a total of 17 points. And if you're playing a lot at home, you can get a total of 22 points. The first round is called Chelsea v Fulham. It's round one and question one, and it goes to both of you. And the closest answer, obviously, wins. Here we go. Question one. In 2014, Fulham played their first Youth Cup final, unfortunately losing to Chelsea over two legs. They became the first team to lose the final, having scored how many goals? I'll go to you first, John, sir. Oh, I was actually at, I think, both legs. Uh, but I've obviously completely oh. forgotten. Oh. Um, I think we might have scored six. Going with six. All right. And for you, Mark, sir? Uh... Annoyingly, yeah, I was at both games as well, and I think it is six as well. I remember it being five three uh, to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, um, yeah. and I think we won three two in the second in the first leg. So yeah, six goals. Right, you're both exactly on the money. It was six goals. We lost seven six on aggregate, unfortunately. Very good. So that is one apiece. All right, question two. Our first Premier League meeting with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge ended in a three two defeat. That was a three two defeat. Which of these four players wasn't on the score sheet that day? Which of these four players wasn't on the score sheet that day? Was it A, Luis Saha, B, Mikel Forsell, C, Ida Gajonson, or D, Gianfranco Zola? All right, and I'll go to you first this time, Mark. Uh, I'm going to go with ja- Gianfranco Zola. Okay, Gianfranco Zola. And for you, Mr. John? I'm going to go with, to be different, copy my answer on the first question, I will go with uh, Fussell. All right, very good. The correct answer is Gianfranco Zola, so unfortunately you shouldn't have been different on that one, John, mate. Mark has got the point for that one. Luis Saha (laughs) scored a brace that day. Uh, Fussell scored the winner, and uh, Gajonson scored the second Chelsea goal. So anyway, and Gianfranco scored a wasn't on the score sheet so well done mark so that's two nil two one to mark and uh just another bit of trivia mario melchiot was the other player on the score sheet with the opening chelsea goal question three how many managers temporary managers have chelsea and fulham had combined since 2000 the year 2000 and i'll go to you first john with this one. Oh lordy that is impossible um mm. <laughs> I'm guessing if they were caretaker and then became permanent, it still counts. So um... yeah, it's the nearest figure. This one, there's no way I don't think I'll get the nearest figure for this one. I'll oh, take that. I've thought of a few, but I'm then going to 
times it by two and plus two and go for um <laughs> let's go for 12. 12 okay um and for you mark sir uh i'm just gonna guess like seven seven okay the answer is 32 so John wins that round. What? Only 32 managers combined between Chelsea and Fulham since the year 2000. Oh, is it... oh I, thought it, I thought it was caretaker managers. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought temporary, temporary managers. Now. Both managers and temporary managers. Oh. Should I do, oh, should I do I that again? Know, no, I, no, I got the point. It's fine. It's fine. All right, fine. <laughs> Very good. All right. All right. So you get that point there, John. But just so you know, surprisingly, despite Chelsea's reputation for sacking managers, it tallies up 16-16 following Slav's recent, recent sacking. So it's actually... Oh, bizarrely close in it actually should be. Good right. omens for um, Saturday or Sunday, isn't it? Oh, uh, Sunday, yeah, twelve o'clock sharp. Unfortunately, twelve o'clock. Yeah, we're, we're level pegging on the managers, so we should we should get a draw. Yeah, hopefully. All right, round two. So this is head to head, guys. All right, round two, head to head. Here's the question: Who oversaw more league games for their clubs? So not cups or not Europe, just league games. All right, and this is a manager for this one. So number one. Roman Abramovich or Mohamed Al Fayed? And I'll go to you with this, Mark. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I will go with Abramovich. All right, Abramovich. And for you, Mr. John? Um, oh, I'm bucking your trend. I think it is Abramovich. Okay, you're both going with Abramovich, and you are both wrong. Abramovich only oversaw 583 <laughs> league games for Chelsea, while Mohamed Al Fayed. Oversaw 640 league games for Fulham. 640. Wow. Okay. It's a good question. It is a good question. And this is the second one. Who oversaw more league games for their clubs? Robert Di Matteo, Roberto Di Matteo, or Felix Magath? And I'll go to you with this one, Mark. Uh, I'm going to go with Di Matteo. Di Matteo. And for you, John Zeb? Is is it league games or games in just, total in general? Just league games, no cups, no Europe, just, just league, league games. Uh, just league games. Um, uh, I think he's. I, I'm going to go McGat. I think it's Di Matteo. <laughs> Trying it up. Uh, the answer is Roberto Di Matteo, mate. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> you show that. So Roberto Di Matteo. Interesting. Oh, you're you're doing a good job. Like Roberto Di Matteo um, oversaw 23 games, and Felix McGat oversaw 19 games. All right. Next one, question three. Antonio Conte versus Martin Yol. And I'll go to you with this one, John, sir. Oh, Conte was what? Two and a half seasons. Let's go with Martin Yol. Martin Yol. And for you, uh, Mark, sir? Yeah, I'm just going to say Martin Yol as well. You are both correct. He saw 89 games and Antonio Conte saw 76 games. Nice one. All right. And this is the next one. Duff, in brackets, for Chelsea versus Duff in brackets for Fulham. I'll go to that one for you, Mark, sir. So Chelsea Duff or Fulham Duff? Uh, it's, it's still league games, isn't it? Just um, league games, yeah. Yeah, I'll go Fulham. All right, Fulham for you. And for you, John, sir? I think it was Fulham as well. You're both correct. Exactly, it was Fulham. That's a point of piece for you for that question. Uh, Duff for Chelsea had 81 games and Duff for Fulham had 130. All right, so this is the final question, guys, for this round. Didier Drogba versus Breda Hangeland. And I'll go to you for this one first, John, sir. Ooh. Get a couple of... He went back to Chelsea, didn't he? Um, I still think that's probably Breda Hangeland. Okay, Breda Hangeland. And for you, Mark? 
Oh, see if it, this is going to make it interesting because I think it could be Didier Drogba. Well, you are absolutely right because Didier Drogba saw 226 <laughs> games versus Freddie Hagelin's 217 games. All right, guys. Nice one. Okay, so Mark is on six and John is on four. Now we're going to the back and forth round. Okay, you both have five guesses each and the idea obviously is you go back and forth and you can get a point apiece each time. All right. Name the 13 players used for our only Premier League win against Chelsea. A 1-0 victory at the Cottage in 2006. So let the guessing begin. All right, I'll go to you first, John. Uh, Lewis Barramorte. That is correct. He is absolutely on the list. And for you, Mark, sir? I will go with uh, Liam Rosemar. That is correct. Now you, John, sir. Yeah. Uh, St- Steve Malbronk. <laughs> Steve Malbronk is on the list, yes. And for you, Mark? Brian McBride. The bride is on the list, mate. Very good. And for you, John, sir? Ooh, do, do, do. Um, um, Zat Knight. Exactly. Zat Knight is on the list. And for you, Mark? Um, Collins John. Collins John is on the list. Very good. Okay. And for you, John? Uh, oh, I'm struggling a bit here. Um, yes. Calling Leguinsky. Calling Leguinsky. Lequinsky is not on the list, unfortunately, my friend. I'm sorry about that. Now, your, uh, your guess, Mark, sir. I'm trying to think who'd be in goal. Um, it's not Niemi. Or, it's either Niemi or Crosley. Um, I'm going to go for Niemi. He's not on the list. All right. Oh. <laughs> right, final guess for you, John. Um, Radzinski. Well, Radzinski. Brzezinski is not on the list, I'm afraid, John. All right, Mark. It's all in you. You can beat him this. Uh, Well, I'm going to go with Crosley if it's not near me. Yeah, well done. It was Crosley. Crosley (laughs) was the goalkeeper that day. Nice. I was at that game. Ah, Well, you could have also had Pembridge. You could have had had Brown. You could have had Volts. Uh, I think you could have had Pierce. And you could also, as the subs used, you could have had Kristenvel or Helgeson. Kristenvel was the 89th minute sub and Helgeson was the 71st minute sub. All right, and the scores are for this final round before we head into it. Mark is on 10, John is on 7. So, John, for this one, you need to guess big because now we're going in to guess the player and it's very tense and exciting. Round four, guess the player. Okay, so I'm going to list 10 facts for you. 10 facts about this player. The earlier you get it, the more points you get. If you get, if you get from facts 1 to 3, you can get 4 points. If you get 4 to 6, you can get 3 points and it gets slower and slower and slower. And, and, not so, <clears throat> and it gets less and less and less. All right, so I'll... List these facts out, and then one of you guys shout when you think you know the answer. All right? Here we go. Guess the player. Fact number one. He made 54 appearances and scored 17 goals. He has played for 12 clubs. He began his career with Arsenal. He had two spells with Fulham, and they both lasted for one season each. Fact number five. He is... One of just five players to score double figures for Fulham in the in a Premier League season. That number six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he scored the first goal back home after our two-year spell at Loftus Road. Okay, fact number seven. That's a bit before my time, to be honest. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'm just trying to get the cats amongst the pigeons here. Here we go. Right, fact number seven. He won the Premier League 
Young Player of the Year and Golden Boot in the 93-94 season whilst playing for Newcastle United. Andy Cole? You're going for Andy Cole. I will leave you at number seven. I'll keep listing them out, mate. Just bear with me there. Fat number eight, he has played for England. Fat number nine, he won the treble with Manchester United in 1999. And fat number 10, he sits third on the all-time list of the Premier League goals with 187 goals. Wow. Mark, have you got any <laughs> Like, What do you think? Oh, I thought we were just carrying on. I, yeah, I would have said Andy Cole after uh, the next fact. But yeah, Fine. All right. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you've got two points from that, from guessing from fact number seven. So that takes your total point up to nine. So you didn't quite make it there, mate. So Mark still wins on 10. So it is 10, nine. That is really close. This quiz gets closer every week. This is great. So unfortunately, John, I'm really sorry, mate. Even though you bet big, you lost that round. I'm, the whole I'm quiz, pretty used to it. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. I know you are. Mark, mate, congratulations. Congratulations. And Mark, your prize this week for winning the quiz sir, is Marcus Bettinelli's burnt right-hand glove, which we found out from the lefties uh, round last week. So it's right-hand glove with a nice little burn mark in it. How do you feel about that, mate? I'm ecstatic. Thank you yeah. so much. You're, no, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. All right, guys. After this, we're going to do a little bit of a Chelsea key preview. Fulham. And welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Now we're having a bit of a Chelsea preview. So I'll go to you first, Mark, mate. How do you think we'll line up in this in this match? I can't see there being much difference. And there are some players, for instance, Christie's and your Adoy's and even your Maxime Lamarchons did very well. I can't... Do you see any personnel change for this game? Uh, the only thing I can see potentially changing is uh, maybe a, a kind of rotation um, on, on the wing. Uh, like we said, probably we're going to be defending for quite a lot this game. I, I, I can't see Sessegnon on, on leaving, actually, but maybe he'll he'll take Scherler out uh, just to kind of experiment on that right-hand side. I think he is still kind of testing the squad out a little bit. I can't see the defence changing too much at all. I don't think even with Luke Bryan coming back into... Uh, uh, back into training. I don't think that's going to really have an effect. Uh, I think we need to... Oh, I always say Luke Bryan. It's Joe Bryan, isn't it? Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't think he's going to want to change the defence too much. Uh, but like I said, I only think we may see the odd change maybe in the attacking lineup. But then saying that, Sess and Mitrovic are untouchable. And like I said earlier, I don't want to see Scherler go out. It's it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I think he, he, he'll make one or two changes, but I'd like to see pretty much the same starting eleven. Yeah, it's time for a, finally a tiny bit of consistency. John, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, can is the performance more important than the result in this case? Or, I mean, is there any chance we can actually do get a result from this or any point or anything, any kind? Um, I mean, there's always there's always hope. Um, they got they got battered really by by Tottenham and didn't look good at all. Um, so we have to hope that they're lacking in confidence and not you know burning with desire to to put that right. I think. I didn't talk about Strela earlier, and I won't go, go in, into it really now, but he's against his old club. They kind of got rid of him after not doing too much wrong. So I think I hope he'll have a point to prove. With with their pacey Weidman, I think I'd like to see Brian, Brian get some game time. Um, maybe this isn't the first, the best game to throw someone in the deep end, really. But um, he's got kind of quicker feet, uh, Maxime Marchand. So I think that might be the only change I can see. Um, I think our midfield is going to be quite badly exposed to be honest so you know but if we take our chances and if we I mean this is a perfect game for Ranieri to um 
to kind of implement his counter-attacking style after a demoralising loss. If we, you know, break on them early and um, and and nip in front, it could feel a little bit like deja vu. And as they press, we keep the same tactic going. You you, you never know. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I was watching the analysis of the Spurs uh, Chelsea game. Mark, I'm going to go to you with this. I mean, I, in regards of players that we should keep an eye on, I mean, there are a lot of them. I mean, Eden Hazard for one. But I've noticed that the key recently, especially for when Everton played them, and especially, obviously, most recently Spurs, to tie down Jorginho, or Jorginho, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, is actually a very, very useful uh, thing to do against Chelsea. Would you agree that this is something we should be focusing on, this this player? Yeah, absolutely. And, and all the while that N'Golo Conte is being played in, in a kind of odd position and he's not having that same effect, I think, you're completely right. Uh, putting Jorginho down is is going to be so important, and he's one of the first players to record, you know, a, a certain number of passes. Things over a thousand passes in a Premier League game, and he's done it this season. Oh, and wow. I think he's a, yeah, he's an absolute workhorse. Uh, and stopping him is huge because that front three they've got, uh, they they feed off of those kind of spraying passes across. And Eden Hazard needs to be kind of kept alive through that. He he can't. He's not one of those players that picks up the ball from the halfway line and then dictates play throughout. You know, he's he's fantastic at those kind of runs inside and being played through as well. And, and Jorginho is really important for that. And then, like I said, all the while that N'Golo Conte is being played in a, in, a, in a different position to what he's usually kind of effective with, uh, I think, if we can focus on Jorginho and, and kind of put him under wraps, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, there's no reason why we can't do well in that midfield battle. I don't know who who uh, it would fall to, most likely Chambers, but then you think if he gets preoccupied trying to cover Jorginho the whole time, will he leave the defence exposed? So it's an interesting tactical yeah. battle. And John, do you see any key Fulham player that could really unlock Chelsea in this game for you, sir? Um, I think... Mitro against David Luiz could be quite an interesting battle to watch from the, mm. from the sidelines. So two, well, I mean, they both had previous for not between each other, but you know, for being kind of short tempered. And um, I think David Luiz is quite easily wound up, so that that would be quite interesting. I think <laughs> our our front three has to has to perform. I mean, with Scherler's shooting from range, if it is if it is Scherler, you know, that is it's a weapon in any game. Mitro's hold up play and and. Sess kind of getting better and better and linking up better. I, I, I hope that can you know do well. I, my worry is just the mid midfield too because if if we've got Chambers and um, Seri kind of being marked out of it slightly, then um, you know we're going to struggle to have very yeah we're going to have very little possession whatsoever. Um, so and it's always hard chasing shadows when you've got players of their quality. So if, as I say, if we can get you know if, I think. We we need to either be kind of nil nil or or even leading at half time or it could be a, a bit demoralising. But let's let's hope not. We've you know we've got players who can hurt people on their day. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so look, guys, after the result that uh, Huddersfield beating Wolves annoyingly, we are still now bottom of the league again. Um, but we're no longer as adrift as we seemed. We weren't really technically adrift in the first place anyway. But there are lots of positives to take from the three points, regardless of what Huddersfield are doing. I mean, Mark, what are your thoughts? This be we've been so positive this episode, but I mean, you know, even though we're bottom, it looks more level playing field now, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's only one point between the bottom six, isn't there? Or maybe two points. So one one game week can, can completely change things around. I, I know the way people have been talking about uh, Wolves, uh, they went flying up the table. And even though they've had a couple of, you know, dodgy results, no one's even talking about them uh, yeah. in a kind of in the relegation zone. But they, they've dropped into... Uh, uh, they're kind of firmly 11th or 12th or somewhere around about there. But they're again, they are only about four or five points away. So the, the gaps aren't big enough yet to kind of name it how it is and suggest that, you know, being 20th is a really bad thing at the moment because it, it's simply not. Obviously, you'd rather have a different game than Chelsea away. Um, and even Leicester provides, you know, a really big challenge for us. I think that's going to be a, a, another game like Southampton where there's going to be a lot of goals. Uh, but... I think, you know, like we said, there's one game week and we can be out of it. Three game weeks time and people forget we're even in this position. You know, we're in a much different position uh, to how the bottom sides were uh, in the previous seasons when Crystal Palace lost, you know, 10 of their opening games. And even going back to when QPR went down and, you know, they lost a a ridiculous amount and they were completely cut adrift by, you know, the start of December. Uh, And we're not in that position. Uh, So I think, you know, all we've got to do is get a couple of good results and, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I remember someone saying, you know, our home games coming up are the ones that are going to really, really solidify our safety if we keep playing, you know, keep winning those. But if we can able, if we're able to get, you know, a couple of points away from either a Man United or a Chelsea coming up, then that would be wonderful. And John, let's have a score prediction against uh, Fulham Broadway FC. What, what do you what do you think the score line could be easily? Um, I don't think they'll be having McDonald's on Monday. Um, uh. But I think we can get something out of it. For me, it's more about performance than the result. But obviously, don't put your house on it. But I'm going to go for Desmond Tutu. All right, nice one. And Mark, what are your score predictions for this game, mate? Uh, I'm going to go positive. I'm going to say we're going to get our uh, McDonald's uh, and Sessegnon is going to be the hero and we're going to win 1-0. All right, 1-0 and 2-2. Not bad, I take either of those happily so we'll all meet for a nice happy meal at Fulham Broadway afterwards that sounds terrific what, what, um, do, you, what do you reckon J-Mac well I've you're got a feel no fine I, I've, I'm i going to go for just for a bit of fun I'm going to go for a 3-0 win and it's going to be a Shola hat-trick and he'll come back to haunt them in the arse it'll be great um, guys this has been a really really good pod I've really enjoyed it it's actually so nice to talk about a victory for a change it's been too long it's been a long time coming um, so, I've, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to thank you to my lovely co-hosts and to you all listening at home. Don't forget, forget to subscribe, rate us on iTunes, tell us your friends, uh, tell your friends about us, and obviously, please tell us what you, you've got your score in the quiz if you feel like it, and we'll bathe you in glory or complete shame on Twitter. Uh, and that is goodbye from me, and that is goodbye from Mark. Goodbye, hi mate, and that is goodbye from John. Cheers, guys. All right, see you guys soon.